0: This is the SFF Audio Podcast.
1: Hi, I'm Jesse.
2: Hello, I'm Julie from A Good Story is Hard to Find. And I'm Seth.
3: Hi, I'm Misa.
2: And we're going to talk
1: about book one of The Fellowship of the Ring, uh, sometimes titled the Ring Sets Out. And Julie, you have you were saying you had read this before. I've read this before. Seth, you've read this before? Yes, many times. And Misa?
3: I have never read it. This is the first time I've read any of it. And I was talking to my son today about this. And apparently, not having read the books means I actually didn't understand the movies at <laughs> all.
2: hmm. <laughs> I think so, that's untrue. My husband understood the movies quite well, and I'd read the books, so.
3: Well, I, I thought I understood them, but then he was just talking about all this stuff, and I, and I, I didn't understand what he was saying, so I thought, okay, well.
2: <laughs> <laughs> say well, this, isn't that true of a lot of things where the book comes after, I mean, before the movie is, you know, the book is the richer experience, because they had to fix it to show it in the movie.
0: Yeah, but, I, mean, I would say this book is one of the best examples of
1: that. Mice, oh, yeah. you, you just listened to the audio drama or at least the I, first part of it
3: i did yes yeah. was,
1: was that confusing because I, I i think of that as sort of the original adaptation of the movie no
3: i i didn't i wasn't confused by the audio drama because that followed um actually that seemed to follow the the movie more than the book
1: yeah it's funny because it is sort of like a movie version of the book well it's it it has sort of like it does the background stuff that you know what yeah that's off. not and
3: that and so that was familiar to me from the movie
2: mm-hmm. the audio drama but you've also read the book right i've read book I, one i mean book one okay oh,
3: yes. book just one. checking yes okay. i have i'm not i didn't come
2: that unprepared <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I just was unclear so the, the funny thing about
0: the <laughs> audio drama is that it has uh ian holm doing the voice of frodo who plays bilbo in the uh mm-hmm. in the movie
3: oh right oh right. yeah okay now, I think,
1: uh, Michael Horton's a really good uh, Gandalf. I mean, I, everybody loves the Gandalf from uh, the movies, and I, I think he's good, but I think Michael Horton might be even better.
0: I'd have to listen to it again. I don't remember his performance.
3: I was listening to a little bit of the, um, the uh, audio book as well. That guy has a great voice. He's right.
0: awesome. Robin, with, he hasn't done very much. Else. Mm-hmm. He's done Earthsea recently. Another recording of of the Earthsea books by Ursula Le Guin. But other than that, he hasn't done much. And I, I almost think he's kind of typecast. Like, when listening to him do Earthsea, it's it kind of like I, I have him in my head doing Lord of the Rings. And it just doesn't sound right listening to him do anything else. He's really good.
1: And, uh, he, he, you know, the other thing that he has to do a lot of is, is singing.
4: <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs>
1: Everything has to be sung, you know. No matter how desperate their situation, it's time for a song.
3: What, what was with all that singing? I, okay, so somebody who knows nothing about these books, so much singing, and um, and it's like singing kind of brings the whole world to life in terms of like Tom, mm-hmm.
4: right? Yep,
3: who is the ol apparently the oldest of anything, and, and he's all about singing. There's so much singing, is there? all of you who know this so well, some significance to all of that.
1: Tolkien loved poetry.
3: <laughs>
2: yeah. Is that it? Well, but he also loved the old Northern mythology and that had a lot of poetry and a lot of singing like Beowulf mm-hmm. and all the old Nordic stuff. And I read some story recently by Kenneth Morris Who was a fantasy guy who influenced Tolkien also? And when I was reading it, it was like I could read, feel some of the things in Tolkien coming to life. I could really see what influenced him. Oh, wow. And so I feel like those old Nordic lays were, he was translating it through English folk singing. And then as it goes on, what you'll see is it gets a little bit more connected to the other stuff too. So that was my feeling i don't
0: know if you read the if you ever read the silmarillion which some people call the elvish phone book, um there, it's a lot more than that um the, the, Never the first thought... the first chapter of that is is sort of the creation story of middle earth and it's creation is done through a series of song um and it's not not a song of words but it's it's sort of uh, i guess a uh, an interpretation of music of the spheres, where there's a sort of main deity, and he calls up these other deities to sing this song, and one of the deities does not want to sing in step with everyone else, and it's um, it becomes a metaphor for all of the Silmarillion and all of the Lord of the Rings of how that one song ends up being incorporated, even though he's you know trying to trying to sing sing his own key. He can't do it. Mm. Um, so mm. that plays out. So yeah, music is, music is really important. I love yeah, that.
2: It's, you it's... should interpret the Silmarillion for me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, we have the Tolkien professor um, on on our yeah. podcast of Tom Bombadil, um, and I listened to his Silmarillion stuff. I got some stuff out of reading the Silmarillion, but mostly it was listening to him uh, and Michael Drought talk about it.
2: Mm. That's what I'll do. Good one. I love him. So, I mean, I think, I think this,
1: is, this is a really important book for me, uh, Lord of the Rings. When I was a kid, a really little kid, um, we were living on an island, and my, my uh, father was there and my sister was there, and there was, you know, no electricity. Just, you know, you stoke the fire in the morning and try not to get out of bed until the fire stoked sort of thing. Um, wow. But he had on his bookshelf this beautiful book, paperback, with a dragon on it and little little tiny guy looking at the dragon, <laughs> a big pile of gold. And mm-hmm. and he read that book to uh, me and my sister, and uh, that was a really wonderful experience. And then, I guess you guys know what, oh, nice I might not know, that's The Hobbit. But, I
3: did know
1: that
3: okay. thank you I, I' had read that one all by myself before this.
1: and then uh, my father died. Um, he died of cancer, and uh, we never heard the Lord of the Rings. Um, but later on, uh, one of my uncles was living at our house, and he uh read us every night, you know, we'd get a chapter of the Lord of the Rings. Wow, Wow. And how great it was you know wonderful and i mean i was still i got to been 11 or so wow and uh, that sweet. i think is what made me love audiobooks is having you know being read this giant story where you know oh just one more chapter mm-hmm. one more chapter
3: so we're now here at the
2: very beginning of your <laughs> audiobook mom yeah, you basically that's right I'm so honored to be included in this podcast of a book that means so much. Wow.
1: But I I think, you know, it it wouldn't have worked if it was, you know, just a regular book. I think it would have to have been this book, this almost magical book.
2: Amazing book.
1: And Mm -hmm. I think the reason is, you know, it it has something to do with that poetry, right? Yeah. So, yeah. The, a lot of that stuff is, you know, the witch king of Angmar, right? It's like, who's, who the hell's that guy? <laughs> he doesn't play any role in this story, right? He, he's he's long dead. You know, the, the, the mm-hmm. high elves, they're leaving for the Grey Havens, whatever that is, right? Um, but the 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 thing is, is there is so much depth to this world. And I think some of that poetry is about that. But even like the fact that, you know, oh, they're crossing the Wiffy Windle. Uh, and the Brandy Wine and uh, all of these, you know, even w- w- when we're going through Brie, you know, there's four towns near Brie. They never go to any of those
2: towns. <laughs> cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah,
2: yeah. The, oh, you know them, Seth. Wow.
1: <laughs> Statute and, and yeah, Oh, my yeah. gosh.
2: You know oh. them too. Yeah. It's,
1: <laughs> but the thing is, is, the fact that they're there makes this world real. And when yeah. you read another mm-hmm. fantasy novel in the vein, you know, following the footsteps of Tolkien, what is incredibly missing is that world. What you have instead are, you know, guys with big swords chopping off, you know, the arms of evil dragons or whatever it is. Um, our, our big hero figure from this book, right, not including Frodo himself. Um, his sword is broken just above the
2: hill.
3: Right? Start at the he,
2: beginning. He wears no armor. He doesn't even have a horse. Yeah, and a lot of people don't even like him. Yeah, and, and they give him this nickname that's not even. They shows they don't even know who he is, and he's okay with that. He just does his job anyway.
1: How about the, how well, about the fact that he's eighty two, according to the the dating system? Oh no, sorry, eighty seven years old. But he's in
2: a kind of long-lived group, so he's yeah. not really old. And which is what made him so great in the movie, I'm just gonna he's say he's older than he looks. <laughs> but uh well and see my experience with the book is I've read The Fellowship of the Ring seven or eight times because I kept trying to get into the Lord of the Rings and I'd hit that second book and I would just skid to a halt. Mm. And so, Jesse, very similar to your experience of how, well, this began your audiobook love, but for me, it was one of the things that showed how audiobooks have a magic that can transcend the printed word, because I finally said, I am going to read this thing, and I from the library, and listening to it carried me through the difficult parts so that I could see the beauty of the descriptions Mm -hmm. and the language, and also how Tolkien changed the language as it was necessary to each situation. And that once I heard all that, and then I went back to the printed version, I could really dive into the print and love it for itself too. You know, so I've read the entire Lord of the Rings twice, once as audio and, um, and then once as, uh, the regular book, which, we talked about on A Good Story is Hard to Find with Seth, actually. Yeah, boy, yeah. Seth, but, uh, you, you, you
0: read this regularly? Is that right? I, yeah, I do. Um, it, it's very influential for me. Um, so, yeah, I, I tend to read it once every year or two, um, wow. I would say. Um, so, Misa, what was your experience like reading it? I mean, you'd seen the movies, and I was saying earlier that I think this book one is probably the most different from the movies. Um in the sense that there's the mo- most stuff from this book that's omitted from the movies.
3: Hmm. Um. I um. I I was. It's beautiful. Like it's an. It's amazing book. I, I just have so many questions. <laughs> I, I, because, because because I think because I because I stopped right there at the end yeah. of book one. And I was, okay. So. What is, you know, like there's so many things that I didn't understand that I, I'm going to find out as you go. But, it you know, like when you when you stop in the middle of a story, you, you just don't know where you are. So I'm sort of lost in this big mm-hmm.
1: forest. Well, I think I think the ending of book one is pretty good. It says he heard and saw no more. Right. That's yeah. Like, that's,
2: <laughs> yeah. Cliffhanger. It is
1: totally cliffhanger. And just I, a that's master. I, be, I mean, but
3: it, yeah, but I, I have I have so many questions for all of you because I, I don't know.
1: Well, I I think a lot of them will be
2: answered. Well, uh, What are they? I mean, well,
3: one of my, my first question is who made the rings in the first place?
2: Sauron. Well, that's explained in the beginning, I think.
3: Well, yeah, he's he Sauron. It said I understood that he made the ring to um the one ring, but mm-hmm. why would he make rings and give them to elves and mortals and dwarves? Did to control them and then them. make one to rule them all, like. He made them all and then gave them all away?
0: I think they were all – I think ringmaking was sort of a a, a fad in the – so this book <laughs> takes place in the third age. I think in the second – It was I, a trend. I, I want to say the rings were made in the second age, and I think it was kind of a – yeah, it was kind of the thing to do. Like you, you kind of prove yourself by making rings, and so – the elves, dwarves, um, I don't know if the men made their own rings, but... I think, yeah, uh, so
3: that's my question. So the elves made their rings, the dwarves made theirs, like, is that how it went? That's my impression. And then impression. he made one to rule them all?
0: Yeah, he was just, he was just better at it than, uh, than the rest of them, and so he was, he made, you know, one that was, was able to rule all of them, and I think, um, you know, they talk about there being a war, and I think that that war kind of ended the, ended the second age of, of, of elves and men actually joining together to stop him from, from kind of taking power, and that's when he, no, you know, he was defeated, and, um, uh, Isildur took the ring. And then you get that whole lineage of the ring that, uh, Gandalf gives us in the shadow of the past where it, you know, uh, for okay. I think
1: I can explain this via analogy pretty well cuz oh, it struck me it struck me really powerfully um you know how the ring works you know how it affects frodo and Hob- um, hobbit <laughs> <laughs> the hobbit uh bilbo um how how gandalf is afraid of it right um how you know they have to destroy it but they you know it's so valuable and later on we you know, see more of that. Um, but it, I, I was thinking, you know, like I, I see everybody these days, I, I, I see it as a serious, but not, not a problem that I know what to do about anything about, but everybody's walking around holding a phone, staring at it. Amen. Um, yes. and I mean, I'm one of those people I try not to be, but it's a very powerful thing. Yeah. Right? It mm-hmm. connects you to, uh, you know, other people and ideas, and um, it's, it, it's super compelling. You're always fingering it, like yeah. you're, it extends your powers. It, it does, in a way and just what the, makes I, you feel secure, yeah. powerful, and <clears throat> if you go to. Like following, you know, the people have the idea that we're going to have them, those uh, Google glass things on our eye and then nobody will ever look at anybody ever again. Right. I don't know <laughs> if that's right, but what I do know is that I was thinking it's going to be an earring at some point. Right. It's going to just, you know, that, that'll be the point where I'll get a, a pierced ear. So that little earring that I plug in in the morning and that has all my, you know, audiobooks on it or whatever it is.
2: I like but that you're actually, afraid of it, but you know you'll do it anyway. I,
1: don't I already ha- sure. I already have mine pierced from my rebellious
0: <laughs> phase in my youth.
2: Now you're ready.
1: <laughs> but I was thinking actually, I mean the way the you know what Tolkien got it from, this this uh these magic rings that he you know so lightly dropped into the Hobbit and now he's seriously thinking about in in this book. Um That's where our technology is actually going to go. Right now, we, you know, Apple sells a a watch.
0: Yeah, Um, they're about to. But a
1: watch is not, I mean, it's still something you put on and off, right? But people at night, I don't think most people take off their rings, at least their wedding ring. Um, and think of the relationship we have with Apple, right? As our technology, you know, we carry it around. It's very powerful in our hands. But when they do an iOS update, you're, you're <laughs> screwed. Right? So think of, think of, uh, Steve Jobs as, you know, Sauron or, you know, whoever's replaced Steve Jobs on yeah. and the iOS updates that you didn't know were even in your ring, uh, can suddenly control you.
3: Oh, I, I, I and I was I once uh, had a story about that that I was thinking of uh, putting together. But in my in the story that I had, in, it, this um, the technology was going to be actually implanted into your um, palm, so it's in your hand. So you can't like you can't. It's always there. That's where you see it. That you you connect to the internet from your own hand. Sure. And uh, it's like your like your earring, but you where can actually the... see it.
1: Sorry. Well, I, I think that I think it, we will see a ring that isn't a microphone and a Bluetooth and all that stuff, that it has all that stuff. I don't know how uh, we would interact with it, but the fact that we could carry it around, you know, and maybe have to turn it off on the airplane or whatever, (laughs) would be... There was
2: a Doctor Who episode like that, but everybody had chips in their heads and they'd all stop at the same time and listen yeah, and then they'd laugh at the same time because they all heard the same joke from the afternoon news, you know, and of course it was used for evil, but... um, they were kind of making that same point of watch out what you do with your technology.
1: But you know, this is, you know, it's not like everybody has magic rings in this future, but it it goes back. There is an ancient story uh, that Socrates tells uh, about, about a guy named Gyges who I, maybe I discussed this on another podcast, but basically there's this guy named Gyges. He finds a secret cave that was, you know, buried long ago and inside of it, he finds a ring Turns out that it turns him invisible, and he goes okay. around um, his his you know city state or whatever it is, and makes trouble. He you oh. know spies on people and and then whispers yeah. their secrets to other people. And it's this it's basically the story of the Invisible Man by H. Yeah. G. Wells as well, right? It's it's about a person who goes mad with the power, uh, but also has the consequences of. Of that, and it you know it makes us think about the Black Riders, you know that mm-hmm. people who stared at their iPhone too long. So, right? so,
3: so the ring was in the cave waiting to be found in this yes. story. Yes. Well, you know, I had a question. I had another question. Mm-hmm. Um, because the ring has so much power, like it, it can influence people to you know it 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 exerts influence. So my so Sauron created the ring, but but it could the ring have caused him to create it? Like, where did this come from? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, that ring was waiting to be found, so could this ring have c- almost created itself and used him as a vessel?
1: Well, he. I think it says in this text, it says something like he he created, he put, he invested his power into it. Um, yeah. It doesn't say, you know, that it created itself exactly, but it certainly... One of the strange things about the ring that I keep thinking, and I thought about it at the time, is, you know, when it passes possession between Bilbo and Frodo, Frodo's not actually there, right? Frodo's out in the field, you know, cleaning up chairs from the party <laughs> <Yeah>. or whatever.
4: <laughs>
1: yeah. But uh, Bilbo is having this argument with Gandalf about whether he should leave the ring, and Gandalf convinces him to leave it on the, on the mantelpiece. As soon as it's left on the mantelpiece and Bilbo's walking out the already exerting its power on Frodo. Is it? Is I don't it? I don't know. I don't think I don't think
2: until perfect. he takes it out of the envelope and is holding it.
1: That, that makes sense, right? That he doesn't even know he's got it yet. Yeah. But the thing is is the ring
0: does do things, right? It has, it has it's almost agency. like it yeah. is alive in itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's that whole bit about you know the ring escaping Gollum because Gollum wasn't serving its purposes, and and then his
2: master's back. Yeah, yeah
0: um, and yeah. and Frodo kind of laughs it off. He's like, "Oh, it's really funny." And ended up with Bilbo, and yeah, I was like, "Don't laugh about that. That's a really big deal. It shows there's <clears> other powers at work." And, and that's where you know it's easy to forget that you know Tolkien was you know religious, and you know, and I think that's why this succeeds so much, is the religion is very. Ah, uh, very beneath the surface in this but, mm-hmm. but um, but it is there, um that idea of other powers at work um mm. does show up,
2: yes, part of the idea that it Tolkien didn't put that in his world at all, but because it was part of his own being and his own way of the logic of the way the world worked, it would come out in his characters, and that's why when you were talking about could the ring have made itself, I was thinking, oh, yeah, I never really thought about the fact that they, and I think it's in here where they talk about, you know, there was a greater evil or greater evil power. And 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 then Sauron was the servant of it, right? And so you think, well, wherever that was from, which nobody goes into, because, you know, this is ancient mythology, um, was he influenced by something that made him make that and invest his power in it because not only does it enhance his power, which is, I think, why they were all making the rings, um, which is later information, I guess. But um, it also weakens him
4: mm-hmm.
2: because until he has it, he's not whole again, right? Yeah. So that's what makes them capable of making any plays at all. So there's the idea that evil is not all you, – you can't give up hope evil is not all encompassing um, right. because it makes mistakes like this. Yeah.
3: And then there's the other power, other power that made sure Frodo got the ring.
2: Yeah. Well, which is I very mean, nebulous. It's but, never really talked about more than, well, I think there's more than chance. If chance, yeah, you come, yeah, as Tom yeah. Bombadil says, <laughs> yeah. you're super lucky. Well, there's some, there's some
1: slippage there because I mean, Frodo got the ring by stealing it. Right.
2: Well, or Bill, finding
1: Bilber it. Yeah. Bilbo. Yeah, sorry. Yes, but it was it
2: put itself where he could find it, and that's when Gandalf says, "But he was meant to find it. Yeah, probably. you were chosen. By In who? which case, <laughs> you were meant to have it. Yeah,
1: yeah. but but the re the it, the ring didn't like being under that mountain with Gollum. Right? It was like there's nothing to do down here. No, the ring is more like um, I'm never going to get back to my master. This guy's mm-hmm. too small and petty. He, he, you know, his his intri- he, he he screwed up his life so much. I mean, this is this is why I like this analogy. Is you know, it's a, it's a super powerful iPhone because he he alienated all his friends. Mm-hmm. Now all he does is stay in a cave all day and and it's, it's precious.
2: Yeah, eat <laughs> fish. Yeah, yeah. So the,
3: it says I because I, I wrote down this bit. It said the strangest event in the whole history of the ring so far. Bilbo's arrival just at the time putting his hand blindly in the dark, more than
2: one power at work, Frodo.
1: Yeah, well, that's, that's, but- that's Tolkien, right? <laughs> yeah. Tolkien's the one who put him in that. in that. Yeah, net.
2: but it's the fact that he looks back at his story, when, because when he's writing The Lord of the Rings, he's then got to square it with The Hobbit, because he, at first, was like, oh, I'm just going to tell another Hobbit story. You know, that's why he went back and had to rewrite The Hobbit, yeah. And they said uh, that, oh, like well, Hobbit. he lied in his first book because, you know, he told it as a nicer story because that was the first Hobbit story. Gollum was kind of nice and went, oh, well, you won. All right, I'll show you out, you know. Um, so he had to say, well, that's the reason that version of the book is out there. Mm. He oh. went that far back to make sure it was all He's right.
1: Re- he retconned his own yes.
4: stuff. <laughs> yeah.
2: <sighs> yeah, because in when I was looking through the letters, which I – finally had to stop reading for a while, but he was talking about, he wrote a letter to his son, Christopher Tolkien, who was away at war, and he goes, "Uh, I've just realized the times are all wrong for like the phases of the moon or something. I've got to go back and add three (laughs) days here and take some days out there, but I think I could fix it with a week or two here, and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, no wonder your fans are like this, because you were like this, Mm -hmm. Um, which is what makes it complete, like you were saying, Jesse, but... Yeah,
1: I, I mean, it, 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 I've seen, you know, other writers try to do, you know, world building, they call it, right? right. Uh, the way they do world building is pretty, you know, slapdash. I've never seen anybody do it like this. The closest <laughs> yeah. I've ever seen is another book that I I love in kind of the same kind of way is Dune. Yeah. You know, Dune right. is this uh, science fiction version of of middle middle earth it's it's eco ecology you know to the nth degree, and he builds up a whole you know plot after he builds up the world because he's mm-hmm. out, you know studying those dunes and he's thinking about the kinds of people that live in deserts and how they would be and and you know how prophecy and the desert you know sort of go together and then he says okay, now why why are they fighting over this? Oh, it's the spice. I mean, the oil. I mean, the spice. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever it is, the spice roots through the deserts and the, you know that that depth is is incredibly there, and it feels like it when you're reading it. And I think when you start reading, you know, any of the the Tolkien knockoffs, it it's like yeah, your world building, it's it shows, just yeah. it's just not there. Right? Yeah in fact well, I- most don't seem to care and most readers don't seem to care which which makes me you know like how can you read this junk it's just
2: <laughs> <laughs> well and the que- that makes me think about the question of you know we don't know exactly who made the rings or why and it's you know tolkien continually again this is from reading the letters fairly recently was arguing with his publisher about Yeah, I I know you want the Lord of the Rings, but I really feel like the Silmarillion is going to make everything much easier to understand. I really think everybody should read that first. And the publisher's like, no, we've read it. This isn't (laughs) happening, okay? We have to make money. And um, so I was admiring the job he did at working in little bits that are still understandable. Like, you may not know who made the rings, But it doesn't really matter to the story because it's happened so long ago that the hobbits wouldn't have known. And Gandalf has to search out the history even. So it's sometimes it's like um, Chesterton said recently or what I read recently where he said Britain and France are not um, like of Rome or he goes they are Roman still. They're not their own thing, really. They're still built up from Rome, but you don't know that until you find the old Roman roads somewhere. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what this book is. It's got the old Roman roads where it's like, oh, look, this ring, I don't know where it came from, but here's what it does. Mm
3: -hmm. And
2: it's kind of okay that we don't know. Or if you do want to know, you can go find, you know, what Pliny and Cato and Seneca and read about Rome.
3: Well, yeah, but the. I guess that's the brilliant, the most brilliant thing is is how tangible and and real the whole thing is because of so much backstory. Like, be like, you know, I, I don't know how most of what happened on this planet either.
1: Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, but it is definitely tangible
2: and real, right?
3: But it's here, yeah, and I can still relate to the stories that go on day, you know, every day.
2: Yeah, there's because the people are real.
0: Yeah, it mm-hmm. feels so real. There's this. um um, reference in in the second book to someone makes a reference to the cats of Queen Baruthiel and you you never know. I've actually tried to look this up. Tolkien never says what that is or who that is. It's just this myth that you know is is somehow current in in that world, and you know people, everyone in that world knows that story, and so it's little little throwaway things like that that just. Um, it's funny now that you mention it. There's not there's no cats in this. You know, dogs. <laughs> there's dogs there's yeah, dogs yeah farmer maggot which farmer maggot I' rereading this for this podcast I just appreciated farmer maggot all over I again love it. yeah um, and I think that's one of the real losses you know they 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 did their best in the movies to try to make um to show hobbits as you know made of sterner stuff than they look um, and they did an okay job with that but you think of Farmer maggot standing there and facing down this black rider, and the <laughs> black rider rides at him and he he gets out of the way, but he's like, just tell him no, you're not you're not coming on my property again, but just that, <laughs> that courage I mean there are definitely you know men of men of, and elves who would would not have done that,
2: mm mm-hmm. mhm, yeah." And often that's invested in these lesser characters. Well, not lesser necessarily, but they don't. We don't have time to go into it, or it would be an even bigger book. But like Glorfindel, at the end of this book, he is just tosses off. Well, I can't I was looking for you, and I came across these. I think it's three of the Black Riders on the bridge, and so then I chased them till I couldn't catch them anymore. And I'm like, <laughs> they ran from him. Three of them ran yeah. from one him. And so uh, I understand that if you read the Silmarillion, you find out so much about him, but we don't need to know that. It's just a hint at what kind of power he's got and that the elves can really have. You know, they're not just beautiful and mysterious and that kind i think, of thing. I
1: think you know the, the the key to this working as opposed to the silmarillion which you know if you tried to read it you <laughs> never read you it it's just it's complete gobbledygook it's just a, your brain goes away from the text cuz it's it's too it's too elvish yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. but w- what's interesting is that these hobbits are i mean they're literally grounded right they're in the they're in the earth but there's so much, like, you know, just a guy who wants to have breakfast. You
4: know?
1: yeah. <laughs> just very simple <laughs> people. They like, you know, flowers, and they, they send mail. And, you know, uh, I mean,
2: uh, some you of the... have th- a good th- smoke. Yeah.
1: yeah, a good smoke. Um, well, one of the ways I was going to read this, and I was thinking about how Julie will react when I start saying it. So uh, be careful, Julie. I'm okay. just, just thinking, this, these are the thoughts that came to my head. Okay. Um but basically um I was thinking you know there's these you know very peaceful hobbits and then this radical priest and he is he you know calls himself he's in an order he's some sort of uh you know monk or something he says you know he's of my order uh Radagast and stuff so this radical oh. foreigner comes into town and and he radicalizes a hobbit who goes off on a uh you <laughs> know a crusade into the into the, uh-huh. into the east and then comes back with treasure that brings trouble uh, eventually. Spoilers for Misa, I guess. Whatever. Um, <laughs> trouble to the uh, the poor little hobbits, right? And Aren't you even talking if- about
2: Moses. I mean, come on. There's. I mean, there's that's there's long line of that kind of thing and the prophets. <laughs> Absolutely. Put it in and yeah. Stirring up trouble because because too much peace is not what's good for us always kind of thing. Well, uh, but you know the fact that
1: you know. Frodo is inheriting uh, a kind of a curse. Um, is you know makes him have to leave his you know his land that he loves. And yeah, he he kind of wants to go. And I, I think it's really interesting that that Bilbo was fifty when he went off on his adventure.
3: Yeah, and and then Frodo was too. Exactly,
1: yeah. seventeen and years after he inherits that ring.
3: Yeah,
1: it's time to go. Hit the road.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. There was a lot of circular patterns, like like the shape the shape of a ring. There was so many circles yeah. in the book. Yeah. Like uh, uh, birthdays came up all the time. The fifth, being fifty years old, all like everything was like round and round and round. Well, yeah,
1: that birthday present, right? "Quote unquote" birthday present goes oh, back man. to Deagle and Smeagle. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. That uh, hopefully you know went a lot nicer this time in the birthday present. But <laughs> you can.
4: <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, he's um. I have to say that was one of the things that, and maybe it was the listening the first time that made me so aware of it, yeah it's he does this doubling thing mm-hmm. he's always contrasting and comparing, and he's not only contrasting and as it goes on, it gets more and more deep, but he's not only contrasting and comparing sometimes two people, sometimes it's four people, sometimes it's eight people because there're different sets of minute differences between the ways he's looking at all this by the time he gets to the end, you're just like this is the most brilliant thing I've ever read. <laughs> you know, and even yeah. in this book, like you say, it's, uh, it's that circular thing going on. It's brilliant. But I, it, he he was so steeped in story all the time. I just think he just kept writing and writing and going back and fixing. And aren't we lucky?
0: Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The other thing I loved rereading this, that wasn't the movies. It was conflated to about 30 seconds was the whole conspiracy unmasked thing. Yeah. yeah the, power, yes. the power of friendship. Um, like, right. That. Um, becomes, becomes even more important later, but you already see it in a big way here, and it's just, it's just amazing to me. You know, it, it doesn't, it's something I can see why they'd leave it out from the film, because it's not, you know, cinematic or amazing or, you know, but just the, um, having, having friends who say, you know, yeah, I've got your back. Um, mm-hmm. and, you know, mm-hmm. and even when they, you don't tell them you, you got
1: in trouble. Yeah, right? yeah,
0: exactly.
2: Yeah, they. But I wanted they to ask. Care, they notice and they
1: care. Seth, you <laughs> should know this. You've read it so many times. Oh. Um, <laughs> see, I, I, I thought there was a total story to be told, and I'm waiting for this to drop into the public domain so that somebody can do it. Um, the adventure of Fredegar Bulger while he waits for the Black Riders to come and yes. steal <laughs> the ring that he's supposedly got. Right? We don't have all those Black Riders um, after. Frodo, because they don't know it's him until, you know, the incident's in Brie. Um, mm-hmm. They're still sniffing around Hobbiton, right?
0: Well, we do get a so, little flashback, don't we? I can't remember in one of the is, chapters.
1: Does Fredegar yeah. later, like, in when we go back in, you know, book three or whatever, book six, does Fredegar have a story to tell about that?
0: Don? I don't think so. Well, we, I don't think we get him... This
2: well, book. I mean, he just... We just hear what happened to him in this book, that's all.
0: Yeah, I don't think you see much of him in that, I don't want to spoil anything because it wasn't in the movies either. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, even even in the end, you don't see much of Fredegar Bolger or or Farmer Maggot, I and mean, you would, you would think that both of them would be sort of instrumental in, in what happened. Well, he's
2: in he's in there. Farmer Maggot is oh, for is sure. She? Okay, yeah, okay. yeah. But and maybe Fredegar is just as that experience changed him some. Yeah. But he's really just in this, and that's actually kind of the thing of he's really. You know, the hobbits are like us. That's how yeah, we can relate uh, yeah. to them so much. And so that's why I love Fredegar because he's much more like us. I mean, he's the, he's, <laughs> I'm not going I'm to glad I don't Black have Force. to go. Yeah. Oh yeah. no, what's happening now? Help! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but also that thing about, you know, maybe the ring is a curse, except for the fact that In terms of this very first story, that's the only way you can kind of see it. He's having to trust what the wiser person is telling him. And so you also see the level of trust that's there from everybody in Gandalf's goodness, that they're going to go ahead and do what he said. Later on, we see, you know, this is totally right, but, um, and I don't want to talk about it, so... (laughs) You left me with no defense, but that's also the way of, you know, when you're talking about a priest or whatever, but it's the way of the prophets is they come in and they say something where, you know, this is not to make you comfortable. It's to shake you up and make you see the truth in a way that you've been ignoring or hasn't been clear to you. And a lot of times that's why poor old Jeremiah wound up stuck head down in a well by the king. He's like, will you (laughs) shut up? And it takes a foreigner coming by going, this poor guy, his legs are sticking out. He's screaming. Everybody's <laughs> ignoring him. I think we should get him out. <laughs> you know. And somebody goes, all right, fine. So that's, uh, we're just lucky. He's lucky. Gandalf is that he's not unknown like Jeremiah. You know, he's not screaming it in the streets. Cause if he was all that crew down from the pub might've treated him that way. Yeah.
0: yeah. There, there's sort of that. Those pub scenes are interesting. You see the sort of, it's just a very, uh, a well-rounded view of the Shire because they're not idealized. Um, the, you see their shortcomings too. Mm-hmm.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: I want to I want to touch on um, uh, going back to the birthday party a little bit. One of the, one of the things that struck me about uh, it never struck me before, but this time reading to you, or if it did, I had forgotten the the birthday pre- not birthday presents the inheritance presence I guess that Bilbo gives to well, as, <laughs> as oh yeah. as, Think? <laughs> mm-hmm. it's a long list of uh they're passive aggressive yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah that's kind of like i mean i guess it's a joke for us but if you're if you're one yeah. of those people like here's a bookshelf for all those books you stole yeah, yeah. like <laughs> yeah. damn that guy that hobbit's mean yeah
3: <laughs> but no it said it said he gave all those and then he gave everybody else nice presents yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I don't know if it's a nice
0: present. I, no,
3: it it said appropriate, good presents, but those yeah. ones who deserved it got their
2: yeah. comeuppance. Yeah, because yeah, the gaffer got good stuff. You know, got yeah,
0: stuff for his yeah. creaking joints and
2: <laughs>
1: right, <eating
2: potatoes>. right. <laughs>
1: yeah, potatoes. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um,
2: the gaffer would find that very important. There's I'm <laughs> a
1: funny line about Mary was saying goodbye to the uh, to the <laughs> the beer barrel. The beer barrel. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. like yeah. Goodbye. goodbye. Long- long time we'll see or whatever it is um th- there's there's a lot of funny stuff one of the things that that frodo says that i think is very interesting um is when he's hearing the story about Smeagol and deagle oh, yeah. he says he says um hobbits don't cheat right because <laughs> he's comparing them to the no way man the hobbits right uh, yeah. the and the thing is is just to, like I think a few minutes after that in the story, um, a whole bunch of hobbits come in and try to rip off everything in the house. <laughs> <laughs> They've got wheelbarrows. Um, and if we think back to uh, the, you know, the original The Hobbit, yeah, the end of the uh, Hobbit,
0: they're, they're he's trying to a loot the
1: place. Cheater! Yeah, <laughs> you know that's not a riddle. What have I got in my pocket? <laughs> yeah, that is totally not a riddle. So either he is just completely, uh, but. Gandalf lets it pass, right? He doesn't say, yeah, that's not true. You right. guys cheat all the time. Um, I think, <laughs> I don't know if these are holes or it's just because he's having fun. Um, and Oh, he's just, nice. he,
2: he doesn't want to be like Gollum. Who wants to hear about something and go, well, you're kind of like that person. Yeah. And, and just, that's the best of themselves. Yeah. I, yeah. That's happened to me. There's somebody who I've tried so hard to get along with, and this person tries so hard to get along with me. And we strike sparks every time we almost just say three sentences to each other. And I'll talk about them, and they'll go, we kind of, you guys are a lot alike. And I'm like, I don't even want to hear that. I get it. <laughs> yeah. Don't even say that to me. And I'm just like, str- I struggle with this. And this other person struggles with it, too, because we both work in this thing together, and we know we want, and we want to get along. It's really hard, and it kind of makes me think of later on, he's a little more honest right after that when he's saying, well, okay, I'm going to go ahead, and he makes a sacrifice. I don't want to leave my comfortable hole. I don't want to do these things, but he says, I should like to save the Shire if I could, though there have been times when I thought the inhabitants too stupid and dull for words and have felt that an earthquake or an invasion of dragons might be good for them.
4: Yeah, But I don't
2: feel like that now. I feel that as long as the Shire lies behind, safe and comfortable, I shall find wandering more bearable. I shall know that somewhere there is a firm foothold, even if my feet cannot stand there again. And that's it, it, the it, most noble kind of yeah, sacrifice.
1: That's the depth, too. See, I, I mean, I think that the depth of characterization comes from from that getting old, getting out and leaving your country, uh, you know, how he's got these mixed feelings is it it makes me think again sort of about this you know this radical guy coming into town and you know stirring up some hobbits the hobbits get all excited to go off and see elves or whatever it is
4: <laughs> yeah um
1: it, right now in the news they talk about you know people going off to join isis or going off to you know join uh, uh the kurds or whatever to fight mm-hmm. you know blah 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 um well during the 1930s the spanish civil war Canadians and Americans went off to fight this you know the fascists and and some people went to fight with the fascists yeah. right mm-hmm. and and then you know decades later in- those people are back integrated into our yeah. society, the ones that survive and we 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 kind of forget that and so the fact that you know Mary and Pippin are off on this adventure too uh you know off to. Mm-hmm. Fight fight an evil they don't even know what it will be, mm-hmm. is is pretty impressive, uh, given that you know it's it is sort of just a blank slate. One of one of the things you know I was thinking about, they never mentioned money, and then actually mm-hmm. I was wrong. They get to when they have to buy that pony from Bill, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um,
4: yeah.
1: it was twelve silver pennies or something, right? Yeah, something
4: like that.
1: Um, but you know Sam's family has to get paid for doing that gardening, right? And, yeah. and he sold the he sold uh bag end, bag end right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it, there is an economy of some sort going on. People have to bring up that uh, long bottom leaf to smoke, right? <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> well, but I wanted to can I double back yeah, for just for a second when you were talking about you know it's more complex because people went off and and Mary and Pippin are fairly simple in their motivation and also Sam. You know, and even in this book, Sam says, you know, maybe it's after he met the elves. I can't remember. He's like, it, it was that I wanted to meet the elves, but now there's something more. Maybe it's toward the end mm-hmm. yeah. more. He goes, and he now there's something deeper. Right? There's something else I want to do. And it makes me think of um, one of the things that you start to see here is how diverse the views are of good people. And the views of sin- evil right now are pretty simple. That changes when we get closer to it. But what we're close to is the simple, good people. You've got Farmer Maggot, Tom Bombadil, Strider, who's more complex, Butterbur, even, <laughs> in the innkeeper. I mean, he's he's well, just Butterbur. very top oh, of the awesome. moment, simple, but he's a good guy. He's Oh, dang, all my bolsters have been ripped up. Uh, <laughs> hate those black riders. Um, I'll do what I can. He buys the ponies or he yeah. pays for the ponies that were lost, even though it was expensive at the time and he didn't know he'd make the money back. You have Sam and Gaffer. And that's contrasted with the simple views of bad people like, uh, was it Ted Sandyman mm, yeah. at the back of the inn? And, you know, that Southerner Bill Fernie or Bill Sir- mm-hmm. Fernie and that Southerner. And so, but you still get, it's a more complex view even in the simple stuff. They're good in different ways. They're they're bad in different ways. Mm-hmm. You know some are bad just cuz they're prejudiced like Ted Sandyman. Some are in and and colloquial or parochial, <laughs> colloquial. They're and they're parochial. Bill Fernie's actively participating with somebody who's yeah. pretty shady. So yeah. even then you're starting to see it's like they're real people. You know. There, so sorry, I broke up your
1: no, account, no, no, and talk. I was, I was just thinking, you know, like the well, one of the things, you know, the way you, so, uh, a lot of the information problems, like everybody's heard of Mordor, the word that when you <laughs> listen to Rob Inglis say saying, say it, Mordor. murder. <laughs> like, Would sorry. you like to go off to murder? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, you know, so, oh, well, I'm not sure I want to go there. I, I
0: don't. Dangerous.
1: Um, but, You know, other than solving the information problem, you know, getting the news out better. Although I notice Gandalf, no matter where he goes, he always gets the news. It's like he's got his own iPhone on the end yeah, of his staff. New York Times. Yeah. It's like, oh wait, it's just in. I gotta go south.
2: <laughs> the birds told me.
1: Yeah, basically, some eagle flies
2: in and <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Drops we don't need to note. know that. I don't know how my iPhone works. I just know it works. Exactly. There's great Wi-Fi at the the (laughs) Prancing Pony. Pony. That's
0: right. (laughs) Little Wi-Fi (laughs) symbol on the sign.
2: Well, it's like I was visiting my mom in the hospital, and she was trying to figure out how to get another book downloaded to her Kindle. And I went, oh, hospitals are great these days. They all have free Wi-Fi. So I do it, and she's like, how did you do that? I didn't (laughs) know I could put books on my Kindle except by using my computer. And I'm like (laughs) – Oh, okay.
4: <laughs> so,
2: <laughs> that's magic. Gandalf. I was Gandalf at that moment. There you go. Yeah. yeah. So this, the,
1: the the you know other than the information, I mean, one of the things you know that seems to happen is that these elves they make great bread. Their 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 juice or whatever it well, it is they put in there, yeah, it's great. Their water mm. makes you know even dried berries taste taste really fresh. Um, it's it's what they really need is like you know some some guy to get on a horse and drive into the elvish lands and load up on food and bring it back to the supermarket in in hobbiton they they seem to lack like you know long bottom leaf is not available in uh in gondor right they don't have
0: and
1: that's one of the things right now i didn't notice it as a kid but i'm noticing it now i was thinking like well how does this economy work is is uh
2: and I know this is not really the way you're supposed to read the book. <laughs> it's Like, Dang, Jesse, you're asking a lot here. <laughs> oh no, like no. the economic system set I think, out before. I think you're me. right. I think
0: I think that's might just be an area that the world building is not you know, obviously there is there is an economy, but Yeah, there it, is it's something that Tolkien didn't, I didn't think pay of attention difficult.
4: to.
1: Yeah, and I mean it seemed to be like everybody knows elves exist. Um, but they don't tend to stay at the Prancing Pony, right? They they have got their their bows of you know mossy, yeah. Whatever. It doesn't yeah. rain outside in there.
2: Yeah, it's like a network of little English country towns that don't worry about France or Germany or even yeah. London. They, they one of the one of the things I noticed that they do have border themselves. guards,
1: right? They they call them
2: bounders. Yeah, well, that They're was not- for. Brandy wine, right? Or I yeah. mean, uh, yeah, wherever yeah. it is that the house, the new house is, yeah, because of the big wood. I thought uh, the you know the forest. No, but they 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 ha- they
1: actually have like like at the I guess at the Green Dragon Inn they were saying something like oh, the founders okay. are working overtime. Oh, okay, I'm trying to- <laughs> dwarves are coming through. Yeah, uh,
2: got it. Oh. Um
1: and. And it, the idea is like there's refugees is the idea that I, I was getting is that there's oh, people yeah. coming up from the south and from the east um, about that. fleeing from uh, the problems that are just happening. You know, they don't have a uh, internet, mm-hmm. BBC radio to tell them you know, what's going on. Um, and that not everybody would have the full picture, right?
3: Mm-hmm. Well, we are in a time of movement at the beginning of this book, aren't we? Like the elves are leaving and the everybody's leaving.
0: Yeah, Yeah, it's definitely a time of unrest for sure. Speaking of um,
1: leaving, you know, uh, going the mention of the Grey Havens here early on, um, I was thinking about how the 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 Ring Race, the uh, Black Riders, they get their, you know, they they got their rings from. Whoever it was, I guess it was Sauron who gave them men their rings, the kings. Um, mm-hmm. And they don't die, right?
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, how long has it been since um, Gollum had his ring? Shouldn't he be like. Didn't ed- they say
2: hundreds of years, maybe? A couple hundred years well, or something? He
1: had it for hundreds of years or thousands. Yeah, okay. of years. yeah I think. But, yeah. but it was Bilbo was 111. When he gave the ring to Frodo, yeah, he was fifty when he got the ring. So Gollum's been around, living without the ring for sixty-one years. That's my math right?
0: <laughs> yeah, something like that. Yeah. And
1: then another at another seventeen years. Um, this is how long he's lived without the ring, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Bilbo's never going to die. That's why he has to go off. No,
2: end. we're not talking about that part. I know you're kidding me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm sorry. I had strict instructions only to talk about the first. <laughs> All right, why don't I we don't, talk about Tom Bombadil? Whistle?
1: Nobody. N- we 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 already talked about Tom Bombadil in another <laughs> podcast. But if 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 we're ever going to talk about Tom Bombadil, it has to be yeah now because he never shows up again.
2: I think Gandalf okay. visits
1: him with him at
0: the end, but yeah, other than that.
1: Yeah, he's mentioned, but we never see him yeah. singing, dancing, or prancing again.
2: And it's funny because he's and you may have. Ta- I haven't had a chance yet to listen. I have him queued up to listen to that one that you did, but um, he's never really explained. In the whole thing, as as I break my own rule that you told me about, to not talk. But, I mean, he's kind of in there. And I love that section now that I've listened to it. When I was reading it, I was like, oh, what a waste of time. And the Barrow Whites love that whole thing. Yeah, that's great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was
3: great. Yeah, I I want
0: to talk about that, too. I break that at Halloween every year. Or I read it for, like, Halloween games.
2: (laughs) That's perfect. Yeah, Oh, so creepy. I'm like, oh, my gosh, he could have written weird fiction. Yeah. Uh, it's very
1: Lovecraftian.
2: Yeah, exactly. But um, you look at it l- later in the whole context of everything. I look at it and you go, I kind of actually love that there's not a reason for Tom Bombadil to necessarily be there. He just is part of that world. And everything doesn't have to be of a use that we can see for it. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's of use to them at that time, but in the big picture, you know, we, everything else we're introduced to has a reason for them being there.
3: Yeah. And, and he is so, um, he just doesn't care. He's so happy. Like, yes, Yes. you go have your adventure. Yes. Yes. The world is, everything is in balance, but it doesn't matter. Everything is fine. You know, like he was, he was before (laughs) any of it. It even mm-hmm. says, I was here before the Dark Lord was created,
2: before the Dark Lord yeah. arose. He's before yeah. all of it and he's after all of it. Yeah. I guess. And he'll help them. He's, per, you know, here's the little song to sing. You know what? If you guys <laughs> can't even get to the border on your own. I will take you there. But I'm <laughs> back to Goldberry it. now. Tralah. <laughs> so. And that's kind of a, it's got its own great otherworldliness.
3: Maybe it's like a metaphor for, yes, all you people are on the earth, but the earth is going to be here. Like go on, have your adventures, do your stories, come and go. But earth, earth, he is earth is
1: here. Like nature, yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And we can't understand all of it. We can see it, interact with it. It's, you know, it's, but it's, we don't, we can't understand every mystery, but do we have to in order to appreciate it, you know?
1: I think in the in the asking, we, we come to appreciate it more, but there's right. There's no one answer, I think.
2: Well, right. I'm And I'm not saying don't ask or don't be curious. I'm just saying sometimes there are things that are beyond our grasp, and we just kind of have to go, oh, this is what I can get of it. <laughs> exactly. Love it. Troll all. Yeah, you know,
1: so. if there was a, uh, you know, Tom Bombadil bed and breakfast, I would totally go there.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> But once we
1: economize him, it, we're going to have, huh. uh, he, you know, he's not going to be quite so jolly when he has, you know, 16 guests, guests a week.
2: <laughs> <laughs> You're probably going to have to you, help him the ponies and stuff at that you, point.
3: You wouldn't know how long you were in there, though. Doesn't time sort of? Didn't they lose track of time? They didn't know when they last ate or when they last like. He'll talk, and you could be there for years.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, that's right. And there's like they went all day without eating, which for hobbits yes. is unthinkable.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I think uh, it's it's pretty. It's a pretty great scene, and if, even if you you know, uh, Mice, you'd seen the movies before, right?
3: Yes, I've seen. This the is
1: this is like. I think this is better, just those scenes are better than the entire, I mean, I, I like the movies, I thought they were okay. Yeah. But I, I think the scenes with, you know, hanging out with Tom Bombadil are better than the entire movies, but together, in in that they give you a feeling that you, that you, it's, it's an amazing book, and just that little, sort of a microcosm of all the happy, joyousness you have in a, you know, s- s- smoking a pipe outside of Bilbo's uh, house. <laughs>
2: Mm -hmm. it's
1: it's amazing and i i I I, sorry go for it julie no
2: i'm sorry i was gonna say i guess it's a nice introduction in a way to the fact that they're going to encounter things that are so foreign to them outside of the small world they've inhabited you know they knew about the elves and they met them and they were or i guess that's before brie but um Mm -hmm. but and then they go back into Brie, which is something they can understand. But at times they're again going to be pulled into very odd situations that they don't understand. And it's Tom Bombadil's the introduction to the fact that there's all this stuff right here, so close to you guys, you didn't even know it. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: yeah. And and also he he was sort of a buffer between uh real hardship and and success. So like the the yeah. two horrible things that happened with him, or difficult things, he was there to help them through them, and to teach to help them see that they could go through more. Like he sort of gave them mm-hmm. armor or strength.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, he literally gave them arms. Uh, he
0: goes into that barrel white and. Yeah. Uh,
1: uh, Barrow gets and gets a bunch of swords and stuff, right?
0: Yeah, I love yeah. how that's glossed over in the movie, how Aragorn just happens to show up with these little swords and like, yeah. <laughs> <throws them in. laughs> these are for you
3: You know what I, I liked about that that Barrow Downs part was when Frodo says I could have put on the ring and I could have left Gandalf wouldn't have blamed mm-hmm. me and he doesn't, and then um, Tom comes back as if he was like, you know, I had a test okay, let's see what you're made of and you pass, yeah. and okay, you're okay.
1: Well, he's lucky he had that song to remember, right? That 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 uh, he'd been taught the song. And I, I asked this question: well, why? Why in the other podcast? Why did? Why does he never use that song later on when he's in a tight spot? But it's because he he you know he's bordered those lands or right. the places he works in. But, well, yeah, well, it, it is frightening oh, because it, you wouldn't have blamed him for running away.
3: Well, yeah, and 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 like it was that whole thing about they followed him, his friends followed him, and and he's mm-hmm. staying for his friends, you yeah. know. Like,
1: there's something creepy going on in there too because their clothes are gone, right? And they're replaced yeah. with white clothing and white swords, and and one of them was it? Mary says, "I remember, you know, it's fighting beautiful. the battle." Yeah,
3: yeah, but but you did you? But the cool part about that is they came out naked. That's like a rebirth, oh, right? Yeah, and a restart. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Ooh. There is oh, so nice. they, um,
1: they shop in uh in breed naked? No, no. <laughs> no, no, they no, no they, they got their homes
2: back. Right. Right. Yeah, they their, put, like, put on like their winter clothes. clothes, which are too hot. Yeah. yeah. Too hot. Well, yeah. And but also the thing with the barrow, oh, dang it, i thought of this three times now, I've forgotten. Um when you said that, Mysa that uh that was a big temptation. And again, reading the letters recently, Tolkien refers to that as the big temptation. It's that that forges yeah. Bill or Frodo's character for the rest of the book. It, it, he kind of basically said ref- that if he hadn't passed that test, he couldn't have passed any of the others. And that's kind of tossed off in the book. I mean, it, it, later in other books, it, it's referred to again. But mm. in this, it's just it's another thing he had to go through. Well, it, it was so you have a, a good, good like, eye. I mean, that's uh, I didn't catch that until it was pointed out to me at one point because hmm. that's the thing. If you're are you going to go for yourself or are you really going to give it up for the other guys? That's, that's, what, it, that's what
3: stopped me when I was like, read when I read that. I was like,
2: I, I had to stop and write it down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's key to the whole rest of the book hmm. because it forges his character at that point to a different way of thinking.
1: You know, I think somebody who never has that problem is Sam. Sam is like Mr. Selfless, right? Yeah. He never thinks of himself first. He always thinks of Frodo first.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, right now,
0: yeah. (laughs) Yeah, even, yeah, I think overall.
2: Yeah, no, he's, he's really the true... I wish I could be like Sam. When I think of the book and I would like to be like somebody who who I would like to emulate, who sometimes actually comes to mind for me, and I'll go, Sam would do this. And I'm like, damn it, Sam. Okay. I know. <laughs> I'll go ahead and do it, too, because that's what I should do. And I, you know, between Bilbo and The Hobbit, who gave me actually a couple of moments of inspiration when I was rereading it once and I needed them in real life. And Sam, who's done it a couple times, Tolkien has actually affected my real life that way. Yeah, I've done stuff. Yeah, and it's it's not anything big, but that's why it's helpful that Sam and Bilbo and Frodo aren't big. They're real. The (laughs) things they face are small usually. Although Sam
1: Barleyman Butterburrs in in a world wanting to be Sam's. (laughs)
2: yes i'm very much a butterbur yeah me too <laughs> yeah. very well meaning
0: but fall be short turned to a liner.
2: yeah i guess if that's the worst i can say that i'm a butterbur it's all right there,
0: yeah it's better that than a bill fernie but there's some interesting stuff with, <gasps> <Yeah>. with <laughs> Thank sam you. um sam um for modern readers that whole kind of master servant relationship i was realizing that it kind of Made me a little uncomfortable reading it again this time for some reason. Oh, huh. Um, and I don't, it's not like, I mean, he's not, he's not a slave by any stretch of the imagination, but there is a marked class difference that you, you notice throughout the whole thing. Um, mm-hmm. especially in mm-hmm. this book where, you know, with Farmer Maggot kind of, Maggot never really addresses Sam. Sam's just kind of there. Um, that's true. Um, so there's, and it's, you know, it's, it's a social, a social construct of of uh, the time that Tolkien was writing and probably still even even active now but there's a sort of um it's a dimension to the relationship that I haven't quite pegged down yet or I haven't kind of well,
1: mm-hmm. I think it's 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 it, really I mean one of the things that was striking is that he says you know he's so proud of being lettered right yeah mm-hmm. yeah um you know there there is a hobbit school they mentioned you know going to a hobbit school and Learning stuff there. I guess it's not uh, letters, but it was it was Bilbo taught. Uh, Sam. Was Bilbo
0: or Frodo? Uh, Bilbo, yeah,
1: yeah. It's Bilbo taught uh, Sam his letters, right? Um, now, did he teach him before he would have learned that in school? Or, but the thing is, is he is like the Lord on the hill, right? Yeah, or under the hill, anyways. And <laughs> when he sells his estates, uh, gives them to Frodo, that they head off to live in a little shack. Or whatever it is, the comfortable place that Fredegar is going to guard. Little house, it's not even a hole. Um, you feel like this is pretty dramatic. It's like that is Bag End, right? It's not like it's not like some house. It's like a it's Downton Abbey, basically, right? <laughs> I mean, a little smaller, fewer fewer servants, but but essentially, all the people who live on that same hill below. Sam uh, below um, Sam's house and below uh, Frodo's house. Those are all you know tenant farmers.
4: Mm-hmm. That's yeah. why
1: you know what does Frodo do all day? Is his job, right? Yeah, he's kind
2: S- sits of sits
1: and smokes his pipe, writes letters, and lends out books. Works
2: on his book, yeah. Kind of yeah. landed
1: landed gentry, kind of totally. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. So it, it, there is that. I mean, I I think of the way Tolkien himself would be is like you know he's. He's, he's a professor, right? So yeah. there is somebody serving food in, you know, the cafeteria mm-hmm. or, you know, he's got a Batman, to, you know, do his laundry and stuff like that. But he, he doesn't feel like, you know, I'm paying these people to do that. And he, he, I think as a professor, you're sort of out of touch with uh, that kind of professor. You would be sort of out of touch with the whole economic system that <laughs> that underpins uh, yeah. that.
3: You don't, I mean, like you in in Middle Earth, maybe there isn't that kind of like you're thinking about an economic system like our economic system. Maybe there isn't. Well, it's not maybe, capitalism
1: for sure, right? I mean, yeah, it's not modern like, capitalism. But <laughs> assuming that, I mean, one of the things that strikes me is that there isn't as much. Uh, I mean, there's Archit and Stratchit and a couple other towns nearby. There's other mentions of. Uh, towns in the Shire, right? Uh, we even go through, uh, you know, a couple of little areas. Yeah. But other than the one, other than the places mentioned, um, we don't get the sense that there's roads leading everywhere. I, I know that there is this, the uh, really nice line in this book about how you, you step out the door of your hobbit hole and that can take you all the way to Mordor. Yeah. Right? <laughs> uh, it's like a river that can sweep you away.
2: It's what Frodo uh, is told by Bilbo: the road goes on, ever on, it, and every doorway is yeah. like a little tributary to the big road. And it, it that yes.
1: seems almost like a very American highway system. You know, you can start Eisenhower Texas, and, the and the drive, drive of the interstate. Yeah, you totally, yeah. can totally drive anywhere, right? You can go up to Alaska if you want. And it, every road leads to the next one, but mm-hmm. but it there isn't a sense that you know. What are they like? I didn't know how much a drink cost in the Green Dragon Inn, but it comes. mind, we
0: learn in the movies. <laughs> <laughs> the,
1: the, he, if there is a weakness, it, and I mean, you have to really go looking for it. I would say the economy doesn't make a lot of sense, <laughs> but you oh, know, when you're dealing with elves and magic maybe it doesn't have to.
2: Well, I guess it. How many? It would depend on how many times you've read it, because I'm like. I didn't know and it didn't occur to me to think of it. And now that you've brought it up, I don't care. <laughs> um, so uh, to me, it's not a weakness. I guess if you care about the, the underlying economy, because then who's, I haven't met a weaver yet. They get their clothes somewhere. I mean, you so, know,
1: solving problems, right? I mean, yeah. Uh, what, what is the motivation of the dark Lord other than, you know, to conquer? I don't know, but, um,
2: well, that's, one of the things I like is they talk very early about how evil doesn't really always make sense and we can't always understand it because Gandalf talks about now that he knows about hobbits, he would like to take over you guys and and Frodo's going but he doesn't even know because that doesn't matter. Yeah, he would just mm-hmm. like slaves to torture. <laughs> and Frodo's going, wait, I don't understand the words you're putting together. Don't make sense. Yeah, it's you not know that because he slaves Rachel, to make
0: cotton or something like that. He just wants slaves yeah, so he can have slaves.
2: Yep, he. Mm-hmm. I just hate everybody, so I'm going to be awful to them. That's it makes awesome me feel yeah. good. That's does awesome. Does he have a body?
1: I don't think so.
3: I I think I he think used so. to.
1: Yeah, I don't think, think he does anymore. Could,
3: so it's so. Know. And if he gets the ring back, will he have a body? That's the again? funny part.
1: Is is, is what's he going to put it on?
2: Right? <laughs> oh, yes. <yeah>, that's <laughs> all the, no,
1: yeah. oh, we that. we,
2: but we don't know. We just don't know. I mean, we're. You can well, think yeah, one for the that, other. Because I thought the, he that, did.
1: Well, he thought he did. But we're not going, told. So. Going back to doubling, and uh, do we get any mention of Saruman in this? Or is that just in the audio that's drama? Only that's only in the
3: audiobook and the yeah. movie. Uh,
1: no, the, uh, the audio drama, drama and the movie, yeah. Audio drama, yeah. Yeah.
2: Uh, well, he does say... He does a few times Gandalf, because I'm just looking at this part, where he says... I might have consulted and the White, but something always held me back on the ring. And so he mm. just a couple times says, yeah, okay. something always held me back. Right. That's all you know. So, and there's been a dream where, I think mm-hmm. it's interesting in this one, uh, Frodo has these dreams and we don't know what they mean yet. Yeah. Later on, you kind of see the meaning behind them. But uh, you're going to go, I dreamed that. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, Deja Vu, there too. So, um that's all he's mentioned. Yeah.
1: It it always struck me uh, when reading it as a kid. I I was always asking my uncle, while he's reading it to us, said, "Why is Gandalf always leaving? Where is he going?" And you know, it is eventually, I guess, answered sort of. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, in the same way that uh that Tom Bombadil leaves. Right. He lets them go off of their business. He, he'll, he'll drop in at opportune times. Not exactly a day six machina, but it, it, one of the things that I, I find striking about, you know, subsequent fantasy fiction is that the, especially like I, I, I've pointed this out to a friend of mine about, uh, the way Harry Potter novels and movies, especially, um, they make set pieces mm. and reading this i don't feel the set pieces i i mm-hmm. i can see them when they do it as a movie you know say we've got to budget this amount of money to make this scene really you know snap because this is really key and and you know then they say tom bombadil waste of money right <laughs> yeah uh barrow whites <laughs> well we'll spend a little on that uh, Bree, that's, that's okay. We can do that relatively cheaply. Uh, those, you know, the waves of the horses coming down the river. Oh, that's important. Right. And, and when you, when you read Harry Potter or you watch the Harry, mm-hmm. Potter especially, there's these scenes where they say, okay, now it's, we're in the roller coaster underneath the bank. <laughs> right. And then there's, okay, there's the chess room or the key room. Right. And it's like, it's like it's almost, it's almost a caricature of of these much more um, seemingly organic chapter flowing uh, ones. Because when you when you even look at the chapters, right, f- f- flight to the Ford, most of that chapter is not actually a flight, right? It's right. not. It's it's people on the road singing songs about chin bones and thin bones.
4: <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: I love that song. Uh, you know when they're going on a shortcut through the mushrooms it's not just you know we're going to get to farmer maggots and we're going to confront the dogs (laughs) the the dogs are there but they're
2: lost but they
1: they talk about farmer maggot and and how you know we would call it scrumping when you go into uh, somebody's yard and steal their apples right (laughs) Frodo that's what that word means yeah Frodo's like yeah, I I stole me some, you know I stole me some mushrooms. I had a big taste for them, but you know. Oh, hey, is that, that
2: is that cheating?
1: Yeah, absolutely, it's cheating, right? Looking for those inconsistencies, he's not seeing oh, right. That. He's yeah, but yeah. he
2: doesn't want to be like Gollum because Gollum's the worst you can be. Well, you never want to see how your little things might take you down that path. Going back to big worldview. Yeah, yeah. But you know the thing you're saying, Jesse, that strikes me is what. Tolkien does here that I as a very fast reader love when I'm rereading Mm -hmm. is he doesn't scrimp on description and that doesn't mean he goes on for days and days but like the shortcut to mushrooms most of the time they're lost they're trying to stay away (laughs) from the black riders they're trying to get to the ford but they're like then they came out and went oh we've gone much further whether it was east or north somewhere now we've got to go back and and so then he's they say um oh we've got to go Back and get to the right, says Pippin, and he says they waded the stream and hurried over a wide open space, rush-grown and treeless on the further side. Beyond that, they came again to a belt of trees, tall oaks for the most part, with here and there an elm tree or an ash. The ground was fairly level, and there was little undergrowth, but the trees were too close for them to see far ahead. The leaves blew upwards in sudden gusts of wind, and spots of rain began to fall from the overcast sky. Then the wind died away, and the rain came streaming down. They trudged along as fast as they could over patches of grass and through thick drifts of old leaves. And all about them, the rain pattered and trickled. They did not talk, but kept glancing back and from side to side. And as that little paragraph went on, I was with them. It's what you're saying about the whole thing flows. I suddenly, he's like, it was mostly oak. And I'm like, oh, I see the forest. A few <laughs> elms and ash. Not much undergrowth. And I'm like, oh, they must be close <laughs> together. Oh, because you can't see the sky. And so it's it's like he's there and we're with them. And it's that way the whole thing. We're living in the
1: world while we're reading this book.
2: Right. and But then they're like, And then it's not a lot, but then they start talking again. And so you really, you are in that world. It's what you're saying about that's part of how it's seamless because everything to him is that real world. Now here's the turnip field. Now here's the fence. Now it's rutted. Now they have to... So he's writing it like a movie, but we're getting every detail. The weather and and
1: it, 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 it it, it is so much unlike the things that we see in other fantasy fiction. I mean, it's when you read this you go, yeah, um it's got swords and it does have mention of dragons. There are trolls in this in this chapter, right? Mm-hmm. But uh they're dead trolls. They're from a previous mm-hmm. book. And right. uh the dragons, you know, that's an in, <laughs> right? <laughs> and the sword, oh that's broken. Um yeah. when when
4: right. <laughs> that's <laughs> good. That's
1: when they when they take it and they say, okay, we're gonna do uh Tolkien esque fantasy adventure, the elves are throwing magic spells here and there, the, you know, coins are flying deeply, and one of the things that, you know, Dungeons and Dragons does, um, which is, you know, a game inspired by this, where you can go and hunt dragons and, you know, get their treasure, is, it's the opposite of this, right? When, when, when Tom Bombadil, uh, you know, frees them from the Barrow White, a little dungeon, right? He takes the treasure and piles it up for the birds to come and, you know, make, put into their nests. They don't like stuff their pockets with gold, right? And go off to Brie and, and spend all that money on gambling and hookers. It's not (laughs) about that. It's, uh, they don't, the only thing they take is the swords that they're given from the little daggers. They're given yeah. to defend themselves, right?
2: And they don't take them. They're given them. And so you yeah. kind of wonder if they'd have taken them if there would have been no, that they would ill have been terrible, taint. I think. Mm. Yeah. There's also an interesting point in that scene where, um, which is kind of a foreshadowing of things, where he's like, no, you go off old Barrow White with one of his songs. Or even when he's talking, you know, he's rhyming everything. and <laughs> Or he's using that cadence he's got, the Bombadillo cadence. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, you go off. You go off to you know wherever it is and dissolve, and you kind of there's a sense of that happens, Yep. it's dissipated into the wind, so uh you um, air out that that
1: cairn or whatever yeah, and let all the evil out so it's not stinky in there anymore.
2: Yeah, and so it's not, you're right, it's that counterintuitive thing of, um, it's not that, and now I have defeated you, and you're bound, or you're going to be good, or you're going to change, or you're going to heaven, or yeah. whatever traditional thing we expect, it's just, you're gone.
0: You know, I, was thinking- I like
2: that, That that's a good point you're making about, it. it's all, a lot of it's counterintuitive, well, starting with the hobbits, of course, they're yeah. not what you consider heroes, but. But I was thinking um,
0: it's not just different from the fantasy that came after, but I was just looking up uh, Fritz Leiber to see when he wrote the oh. Fafford and Grey Mouser stuff. and He was, he was actually, good at that, too. He was writing that stuff even before Tolkien. Um, was apparently he? Apparently like as far back as the 40s, I want to say, it looks like there's a mm-hmm. too. There's mm-hmm. But um But um, just how different that I mean, they are, I agree. He's, he's a good storyteller, and they're good, but mm-hmm. they're very... Um, they're very uh, of this world. You know, Fafford and, and Grey Mouser are almost kind mm-hmm. of uh, the Grey Mouser here is kind of a Byronic hero because I'm, you know, mm-hmm. buried in romantic poetry yeah. right now. Um, he's very, <laughs> oh, I'm doing these things because I want to do them and because I'm I'm a badass. I don't need a great motive to do them.
2: Well, they're a Conan the Barbarian sort of a mm-hmm.
0: hero, more. Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. Um, a tradition, absolutely. Yeah. Well, of course, Tolkien was did work on this for 17 years, so they were writing about the same time, probably. Yeah, yeah and The
0: right. Hobbit came out
2: in the 30s, so. Um. Right. And he started this fairly soon after, because the publisher's like, we need more! And that's <laughs> the funny thing about reading the letters. He's writing these continual letters going, really, I'm sorry, but, you know, I'm working on it hard. I... <laughs> the years
0: go on. <laughs> And that whole preface uh, that um, he wrote for this is really good too. He t- he does that whole comparison between allegory and history, which I love, and I that's think that's brilliant. That's why these books feel so lived in and and so well developed as they do is because they're more historical rather than just you know people had a lot I don't of criticism. Saw anything like it, uh, you know, there's no book like this. Uh,
1: the closest I I was saying, you know, is. is dune and dune is Mm -hmm. it doesn't feel the same at all but it has that same depth at least for the first book and yeah this there's something you know lived in is is right is lived through right yeah it has a magical transform transformation of you are in that world the the secondary world as tolkien calls it right Mm -hmm. secondary creation creation yeah
2: sub creation that's it
1: Sub-creation, okay.
2: Um, one other thing, which is beside, well, it kind of goes along with sub-creation in a sense, uh, is the thing that really, it struck me the last time I read it, but even more forcefully this time, is that there are things like, you know, there are the elves and their magical drinks, and there's Strider and his w- wood lore and all this. But there's, what you start to see is the power of words, Mm-hmm. Because when Frodo is fighting off, well, he's, you know, trying to attack the the Dark King or the what is it called? The, Black Rider. What? And they said, look, you, all you did was you slashed his cloak a little. It was right. the name of Elbereth that really did him damage. And then when he's at the ford, this is the time I really noticed it. He's at the ford. And he's like, don't you dare come and get me. They're like, come <laughs> on. It's a very wonderful scene. And and he's getting ready to, or maybe does he say Elbereth and Gilfonio? And they, by Elbereth and Luthien the Fair, said Frodo with a last effort, mm. lifting up his sword, you shall have neither the ring nor me. <laughs> then the leader, who was now half across the ford, stood up menacing in his stirrups and raised up his hand. Frodo was stricken dumb. So he's like, you're not going to use those words on me yeah. anymore. Yeah. And it's not like it's magic. It's the words themselves, I guess, because the word reflects the thing, the person is going to hurt. Yeah. So I'm not going to let you say that. And I went, Oh my gosh. Yeah. That was really interesting. I thought
0: <clears throat> it's kind of like <clears> the <throat> wizard of earth. See, that's the whole premise of, of the first of those books Um, is the power of names and, and naming yourself and, naming the other thing about that that scene at the fort i like is that frodo responds and he says something like is it no never or is it verily i come is it which which is he saying and it's it's kind of just the the suspension we see that again later the suspension of those two sides in himself just the, Mm the level of war that's going on within him even even at that early early phase
2: yeah, because he's already having to fight so hard that temptation of submitting to the call of the ring. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and it starts mildly and then builds greater and greater, which, you know, when they're right upon him at the at top is when he gives in. And then later he's like, ah, which is <laughs> probably the safest time for him to give in because Strider's there. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't know that, but it, it shows him what he really why he has to really fight it harder. You know, sometimes it's burning your hand, I guess, that makes you really avoid the stove or be careful. <laughs>
4: right.
1: <laughs> Misa, okay. I wanted to ask you, what mm-hmm. What did you think of the first chapter, A Long Expected Party? I find it to be it's super, very shocking that I, a modern reader to go into it and get through it and not start saying, when the hell is this story going to start? Because <laughs> it's, it's all, you know, oh, there's a party coming, you know, you gonna what, what did you think of the, when you're reading the first chapter
3: uh <laughs> um i i didn't find it uh, slow going if, if that's your question um, i i i maybe because i had seen the movie and i knew what what um what was going on um i uh i i liked all the details of it
1: yeah I, i'm i was you were you were asking me earlier this week whether i was going to watch the movie or not and i i got all ready to watch and then i thought i don't think i will and i think (laughs) it i think it's because it it can override the great stuff that's in my head and i didn't find i didn't have that worry about the audio drama I, i think the audio drama is it's not more faithful than the movie it it does a lot of the same sort of uh, moving things around and, conf- you know, not complaining, but, you know, compressing things.
3: I, I didn't watch the movie. So
1: yeah, oh, you didn't? Okay. No,
3: I did not.
2: Not again. What about you? I, I didn't yeah. want to t- distract from it.
0: No, I didn't watch it either. No, I, I just read the book.
2: Yeah. yeah, I didn't want to distract. But I will say a lot of the images from the movie, not maybe the party, but later on, Mm. Uh, do inform... I mean, Strider is uh, Aragorn from the movie, for me. Right. You know, it's just... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and why would I want anything different? I'm just saying.
3: But I found uh, the book version of the of the party so much better than the mm-hmm. movie. It was so much more tangible. Like, even though the movie, I could see it... I get and- all the
0: points that, that are in uh, the party, I think. But... Well, the yeah. little little things, um, little uh, historical things that make it feel more alive. Or you know, learning that the hobbits give gifts on their birthdays rather than receiving yeah, huh. them, and then the little mm-hmm. about hobbits cheating again. We have this little throwaway line about um, he gave presents to all and sundry, the latter being those who um, went out again by a back gate and came in. So you know,
2: one of the hobbits aren't like,
0: these perfect people.
2: <laughs> it's like Halloween. I'd recognize that costume. You were here before. No more <laughs> Mars bars for you. Um, well, and also for me, once I'd read through the entire book, I found the movies less satisfying. I still oh, yeah. like them. I, I,
1: but it starts I, I don't with, think I ever want to watch them again. I just
2: Well, it, it's, they're okay, but it starts with the party where Mary and Pippin are made into dolts. Mm-hmm. and they're not that way in the book they're young and merry that's said a lot but by the fact that how mary and pippin are treated throughout the movies makes me um have less respect for peter jackson because i feel like he didn't understand the characters that well so that's i have a problem with re-watching the movie when i'm reading the book for that reason
1: well that that you know that trope of having a pair of nincompoops together
2: yeah you just need
3: common comedy. it's so
1: much a movie thing right yeah that's, mm-hmm. but that's not a book thing you know you can have Mm-mm. characters yeah. who are you know a pair of dolts but i mean that that's where the dumb and dumber movies you know that's <laughs> the, that's yeah. the note that they hit right? Leave some butthead. This, let, let's take this sort of motif or trope that we see in other movies and just make that whole movie about that
2: yeah. That's right. Instead of showing any growth and so in the Lord of the Rings what you see is even though they're young and kind of heedless and all this stuff they also have these other qualities that um they're not always worried about having a second breakfast and another dinner and uh, whatever yeah, they're yeah. shown you know it's more of a Shaun of the Dead kind of thing. You know,
1: the other <laughs> the other thing that happens in that chapter that made me think about you know the economy and spreading spreading information better um was like Okay, Gandalf—he can make firecrackers. Um, Why doesn't why isn't somebody manufacturing guns? Right? You know, (laughs) no grenades. (laughs) I mean, you could—you really use a grenade? That's magic. Magic. Are they magic firecrackers?
3: Yes, they are. Oh, yeah, the dragon firecracker. That was pretty cool.
0: Yeah, you can't do that with even. I don't think you can do that. But he said he made them, right?
3: With magic.
1: Yeah, okay, but the other thing, <laughs> this is an argument I've made about about Gandalf, again, compared to you know any other fictional wizard in any other story, or uh, except for The Wizard of Oz, except for the Wizard of Oz, any other no. wizard in any Come other on. story does way more magic than
4: uh, right. you know, Gandalf's
1: man. magic power is he knows lots of people. He knows Networking, eagles. Yeah. He, you know, he can talk to birds. Um, he can light a fire on the end of his staff every once in a while. Um, he knows how to read, you know, Elvish. But he, his, his superpower, you know, he, his specialty with magic is, you know, he says he's going to roast Parliament Butterbur if he doesn't <laughs> deliver the letter. Uh, I think that was more metaphorical than. Yeah, actual. I think so too. I don't think. Yeah,
3: yeah, you're right. He, we don't oh, he see joking. much magic from him. There's almost at all. no
1: magic at all. The the majority of the magic that we see, I mean, he, him. I don't think he does a single thing of magic in the entire first book here.
2: But don't you think that's more like? Oh, I wish I could remember. When I read this. It might even be from The Stand or something like that, where it's like the kung fu master. Only uses his power when it's absolutely necessary because he understands how dangerous yeah, it is. Yeah, and that would go along with Tolkien's worldview. I'm, i think we're here to do things, right. not to go. Please, let's all go and pray for a miracle. Well, yeah, but we're here. That's what's going on. <laughs> yeah. You know, what I mean, that's hello.
1: Um, but, but uh, by the same token, those fireworks. <laughs> he, magic! <laughs> he, he's carrying them in a cart, right? So it's not like they're coming out of the end of his staff, right? I think the, the magic of him is, magic. is that he knows how to make them. And he, well, uh, you've
2: decided that because you want to put the real world onto this uh, with your economics and your gunpowder <laughs> that must be there because that's the way I know how to do it. Uh, You're not letting the world take you over, Jesse. I am. I'm I did. I call this on
1: you. I I am and I did but I I think also you know this is how we interact you know one of the things we do with fiction is not just I don't believe in just being entertained I believe in engaging right
3: well maybe he's maybe he's more of an overseer than a participant you know like um, the the the, the hobbits have a thing to do they've got to you know bring vanquish evil but but it's got to be them. it can't be the magician, and it can't be the elves with magic, you know yeah. so he he can't you know maybe he 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 can only kind of guide the way or say, okay, here's where you've got to go. I cannot do anything for you."
0: yeah, he's an advisor, yeah mm-hmm. and I think the other reason that that there are no guns that uh, it speaks to tolkien's um, anti-industrial um, aesthetic right. that you know he grew up. But he
2: likes he fireworks. He was in World War One.
0: He was, yeah. And yeah. I think, sure, he likes fireworks, but there's nothing more. He doesn't like mills, doesn't like millers, doesn't like, um, <laughs> certainly doesn't like machinery or, or anything Bill like Sundyman. that. He likes is the worst hobbit ever. Oh, he's
4: he horrible. A, yeah. 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 Well, well, you... said... Oh,
3: go ahead. Oh, go ahead.
2: No, you go ahead. I was going to say, I read one time, and this is like commonly known, I guess, but there was you know the world war 1 affected this huge group of influential writers and some of them took what they experienced in world war 1 and wrote this very nihilistic bitter modern stuff and then some of them like cs lewis and tolkien went you know there was a better way we're going to retreat a little bit more into the past and where we think things went wrong or things were good and we're going to write about more that point of view And um, so that's part of what you're seeing too. Yeah. And that goes along with the anti industrialism where he's like, I don't object to having a mill. We all need our flour ground or whatever, but let's not go crazy with it. (laughs) Yeah.
3: Anyway, Mysa, you were. My my question was um, so Gandalf doesn't want to take the ring because he's afraid of of the power. (laughs) Was he afraid that he would become evil or was he afraid of what? Of just having that much power.
2: It's a good he question. He would submit to temptation. The he temptation said it would start with wanting to help guy. people. It would help. It would start with me wanting to be merciful, and I wouldn't be able to stop, and I would go on and be evil. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he so says so that, that. it uh, oh, here yeah. it is.
3: So, or, or is he afraid to be like too nice and and not give anybody the opportunity to stand up for themselves?
2: I'm. I'm I don't know. I'm just. Asking. Says, do not tempt me over me. With that power, I should have a power too great and terrible. And over me, the ring would gain a power still greater and more deadly. His eyes flashed and his face was lit as by a fire within. Do not tempt me, for I do not wish to become like the dark Lord himself. Yet the way of the ring to my heart is by pity, pity for weakness and the desire of strength to do good. Do not tempt me. I dare not take it even to keep it safe unused. The wish to wield it would be too great for my strength. I shall have need of it. Great perils lie before me. So it sounds to me like he's saying my temptation would be to use it. And by going, oh, you could be merciful to these people and help the weak. And then he would become the dark lord. Right. A, a different, for just a, different a different reason. A different dark lord. But it's just yeah. a different, yeah, it's that we all have the path to temptation. And he's kind of saying. You know, and that's why Bilbo was unusual, because he didn't submit to it. It's, the nature, golems- of- Go ahead.
0: it's the nature of the ring to to right. corrupt good intentions and to twist them into, uh, and I think, I can't remember who it was, Tom Shippey or one of these Tolkien um, scholars um, looked at the word wraith, and it has, it, it oh. has to do with uh, wreath and it, its origins and etymology comes from um, being twisted. And so oh, there's, this, cool. there's this idea that um, these these things, um, especially the one ring, I think even the the nine rings that were created for by Sauron for for men were w- will twist your twist your words, twist your. Um, they do the same intentions. thing as
1: the, as the ring of power, right? Yeah, yeah.
0: It's just the ring of power.
1: They all do the same thing. They all yeah thin you out and make you powerful. I wanted to read, uh, here's the description. Remember, I started with the Ring of Gyges. Here's the description yeah. of that, because, uh, you know, the Emice's question is is exactly what, what this sort of book is about. Mm-hmm. It says, uh, this is from the Wikipedia entry. Uh, Gyges was a shepherd for the king of that land uh, in Lydia. One day there was an earthquake while Gyges was out in the fields, and he noticed a new cave had opened in the rock face. When he went in to see what was there, he noticed a gold ring on the finger of a former king who had been buried in the cave. He took the ring away with him and soon discovered that it allowed the wearer to become invisible. The next time he went to the palace to give the king a report about his sheep, he put on the ring, seduced the king, uh, the queen, killed the <laughs> king, and took control of the palace. Whoa.
3: Whoa. Wow.
1: It's uh, it's it's about you know, if you have invisibility, you have a superpower, and with mm-hmm. that superpower uh, is a huge amount of danger, that you will abuse it.
0: Well, yeah, the temptation. Think, you'd have to think Tolkien knew this story. I mean, he's a scholar. And yeah, absolutely. Yeah. it's it's in the
1: Republic. It's not a a particularly obscure story. Mm-hmm. Right? Um,
0: hmm.
2: Well, and I and that's why it's kind of fun to see Gollum. You know, here's here's the great Gandalf going, here, I know myself. I know what my weakness would be. And I can see how it could be used for wrong if I wasn't careful. And mm. then you look at Gollum. Well, Gollum had very small interests. You know, he, he liked mm. to know where things began. Mm-hmm. He yeah. was curious about stuff. And so you see, it, it takes that nature of his and twists it and makes him miserable. And it's just kind of funny to see the small temptation, the small people—they mm-hmm. give in to the small temptations and become and small. That's why the
1: hobbits are good for this because they don't have this innate desire to become the king of, you know, this land and right the wrongs of. It. It's mm-hmm. a good pipe and a, you know, mm-hmm. song.
2: Um, so and like Gandalf says, they they have uh, hidden strengths that nobody suspects. Right. Yeah. So, yes.
1: There's um. There's also something interesting, like, you know the 87 year old uh strider uh <laughs> his his superpower is not his sword right he doesn't have a strong right arm he his he, you know he knows how to find uh healing herbs you know by scent in the dark on the side of a hill you know that can he's help a ranger yeah and you know the, the fact that he's you know not wearing you know full suit of armor underneath his ugly cloak <laughs> um, is it, it's because his his power comes from knowledge, and mm-hmm. when you think about how that it'd be like handing a machine gun to a baby, right? You know, they, they're <laughs> not gonna know what it can do, <laughs> consequences it has. Yeah. Um, the power of invisibility, you wouldn't want to give it to a you know a six year old, right? Because <laughs> that kid was gonna make us so much trouble and. So many mm-hmm. problems for him or herself um, that it, it's interesting that even a guy who is you know as wise as Gandalf, if he is a guy, um, he he can't even be you know, you know we're charged we're And yeah. I guess, I guess they're, they're, the the idea mean, is that the ring is evil in itself. I think I if you think just think of it as a metaphorical power, power, it's, still, it's interesting. still
3: interesting. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, now it it wasn't in the book, but in the audio drama and in the movie, that whole part about Saruman, like it was just it was just as if um, the idea of it warped him.
0: Yeah, that's I right. Because like, he doesn't even around. He doesn't even touch the ring. He he, he doesn't
3: even touch the ring. Never, yeah, yeah, but just, just
0: the rumor he, of it. Yeah.
3: Well,
2: yeah. of course, that comes later in the books. So. So we'll leave it, it alone. Well, no, I was going to say, um, but yeah, but he's not touched by the ring, but he's touched by the owner of the ring.
1: In the same way that Saur- Sauron used to be a servant of someone else, it's almost like S- Saruman is is becoming that servant of Sauron. Yeah. Oh. But we'll, we'll but see it, more it, of that
3: we'll
4: later. It's just
1: touched yeah. on in the audio drama.
2: But that's why I was like, but there is still that direct touch of which you see later. But that's but that's why it's a great point. <laughs> Cuz you're you're fine. You're good. You pick Sounds up on all good. that for the first time through. So much better than me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this has been the SFF Audio Podcast. Please join us at www.sffaudio.com.